Welcome to the Science and the City podcast, your gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences. I'm your host, Nadia Popovich. This week in Science in the City, we're doing things a little differently. Instead of our regular What Happened in the Academy format, we're giving you an exclusive preview of our upcoming event, Celluloid Science, Humanizing Life in the Lab, Thursday, October 20th. For this cinematically inspired evening, Science in the City paired up with the Imagine Science Film Festival to talk a bit about how showing science on the big screen can help make it more accessible to everyone. Speakers include Dr. Sean Carroll, evolutionary biologist and founder of the Howard Hughes Medical Institute's Documentary Institute, David J. Heger, a neuroscientist who studies the brain under the influence of cinematic stimuli, Darcy Kelly, a biologist at Columbia University, and last, but certainly not least, Valerie Weiss, scientist and award-winning writer and director, who we'll hear from later in this podcast. But first, here's Imagine Science Film Festival co-founder Alexi Gambis to tell you a bit about the festival itself and why science and film are such easy bedfellows. So I'm sitting here in the Tisch School for the Performing Arts at NYU with Alexi Gambis, filmmaker and scientist. He's founder of the Imagine Science Film Festival, which is collaborating with Science in the City in our next event. Say hi, Alexi. Thank you for having me, Nadja. Hi. So you were a scientist for quite a while, or in school for it, and now you've uh, transitioned into film. Can you talk about how it ended in this festival? I mean, I grew up with parents that are both artists. Uh, my dad is an engineer. He became a painter. My mom's a sociologist, and she became a filmmaker. And then I went to Bard College in upstate New York, and I started like becoming really interested in both the sciences and I was doing theater and I was doing a bit of film. And then I started my PhD at Rockefeller University in 2003, and I worked on fruit flies for about six years, looking at fruit flies under the microscope. That was kind of my initial interest in making films. I started making films about fruit flies and incorporating like imagination into films. And I made a film about a scientist who falls in love with a girl that lives in a Petri dish. And then I was interested in kind of redefining what a science film is, because a lot of people, when you tell them you make science films, there's like an immediate idea of what that is, you know, like documentaries, PBS, kind of like these luxury type of films. And I was like, no, there's so much more to it than that. And so that's where the idea of Imagine Science came from, which was try to show different types of science films that are visually engaging. And the big thing about Imagine Science is that it tries to encourage incorporating science into narrative, into, into stories. So you're not being lectured about science, but you're learning something about science, but it's through a story, like a love story or a mystery or... So you're sort of tricking people into learning about science. Yeah, that's exactly it, actually. I mean, that's the thing about film is that you get people to relate to characters that they can relate to, and then you kind of like slip in the science and you like kind of wrap it up into a pill and you give it to them. But also people are generally really interested in science, and I think they're just really intimidated by it. And a misconception, I think, in Hollywood and a lot of films is that you don't necessarily have to bend scientific truth in order to make it exciting. There's some cutting-edge research that's happening now that may seem like science fiction to most audience members, but it's actually happening. You know, like the work of Sean Carroll, who's a panelist, he works in the field called Evo Devo which is trying to understand evolution through development, and he works on wing patterning, and, I mean, it's just, like, a, amazing work. 
considering this panel that is coming up at the Academy of Sciences is about sort of bringing science to the public through film, can you talk a bit about why you think film is such a good vessel for conveying a scientific thought? Well, for one, it's the largest platform in which people respond to. I mean, people watch movies more than they read or listen to the radio. I mean, those are all interesting mediums, but I think film reaches a larger audience, for one. Second, um, science is extremely visual, and a lot of it can be explained just by visuals. You know, there doesn't need to be much words. A lot of visuals can say a lot about the science. And film has also that power of showing uh, science as a creative endeavor and a creative process. When I grow up, I'm gonna be That's fast enough, Sam. I'm doing an experiment. We're gonna break your neck. Don't worry, it's science. It always works. One real-life scientist bringing real-life science to the screen is Dr. Valerie Weiss, who got her PhD from Harvard Medical School before turning her attention to Hollywood. Her latest film, Losing Control, is a quirky romantic comedy about a young female scientist named Samantha who goes on a search for Mr. Wright through vigorous application of the scientific method. I'm doing an experiment. Kind of experiment? Dan asked me to marry him. I'm having a series of one-night stands to see if I should. What do you research? I'm expressing this protein that... Um, what do you mean, like curing cancer and shit? Um, yeah, kind of, I, I guess, like that. But despite all the hijinks, Weiss says that the science behind the film is quite real. And maybe most surprisingly, it's also really appealing to the general audience. Science in the City caught up with Weiss over the phone from her home base in L.A., where she lives with her husband and two young daughters. Hello. Hi, Valerie. Yes. Hi, this is Nadia from the New York Academy of Sciences. Hi, Nadia. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Um, I'll just give you a heads up. I have um, a three-year-old in the next room who probably won't interrupt anything. And I have a four-month-old who's asleep on my boob right Aww. now. She may or may not make noise. But All right. No problem. I think she's going to be okay. So you are a scientist and a filmmaker, and you've made a few films, including the most recent, Losing Control. But can you tell me a bit about that scientist part first? Sure. I did a PhD in X-ray crystallography at Harvard Medical School, and I specifically used X-ray crystallography, which is basically 3D photography of molecules, to look at a protein that is involved in transport in and out of the nucleus. Mm-hmm. And after that, how did you then turn to film? What was the progression from science to the silver screen? Well, while I was doing my Ph.D., I'd I'd also had an interest in directing and acting from when I was growing up. So while I was at Harvard, I directed a couple plays at Dudley House, which was the graduate student house. And I was asked to run their theater program, but I also wanted to do film while I was there. And I said, you know, all you have to do is buy us a camera and a computer and, and I'll do everything else. And they agreed to that. And I actually made a movie. I did a collaborative movie that I wrote with Harvard PhD students in all sorts of disciplines, from you know biochemistry to romance languages to archaeology. Um, nobody who was specializing in film. And we wrote a, a movie together, and I directed it. And that was my first experience actually making a movie. And interestingly, I found 50% of our students who were involved in this program were actually doing PhDs in science. So that was was really 
you that. I don't think anyone would have expected that. But in hindsight, I think it makes a lot of sense because science is actually extremely creative. I think you have to be a risk taker to do science in the first place and also to do art because there's no guarantee that you're ever going to find what you think you're looking for. I actually think there's a lot of overlap between science and art and probably the personality types that end up doing either one. Anyway, I made that film, Dance by Design, which was a really fun experience, and we we shot at Harvard, and we shot all over Boston, and two weeks after we finished production, I had to defend my thesis, and uh, that was pretty crazy, because my head was in the world of filmmaking, but I managed to do it. Then I never did another experiment again. I decided, you know, having put science and film head-to-head, film was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So my husband and I left our safe careers. He was a lawyer at the time. And we moved to Los Angeles for me to pursue directing and him to pursue acting. Wow. Big move. (laughs) Yes. Um, But you've had some success in that. You had this big movie, Losing Control, which garnered quite a bit of attention in the media. Can you tell me what it's about and where the science fits in? So Losing Control is a quirky romantic comedy about a female scientist who wants proof that her boyfriend is the one. It's set at Harvard Medical School, and it's loosely based on my time there. I mean, there are things in it, once you see the movie, you'll know that are obviously embellished because, you know, they're unlikely all to happen to one person. But, you know, it's really very grounded in reality. All the science is 100% authentic everything in the movie could have happened on the science side. I think it authentically captures life in the academic lab. So she's trying to find the right man, and how does she go about this scientifically? Well, there's two parts to her journey. So in her romantic life, she's got a boyfriend who she's been with for five years, and he proposes. And because of sort of where her head is, because her science isn't going very well as most PhD students know is prone to happen. She's not sure of anything, so she started to doubt her intuition. She started to doubt everything, and she tells him that she doesn't know if the answer is yes or no, and that she needs proof. And you know, he argues she doesn't need proof; she needs faith. And she says, oh "My God, you know what I need? I need a control. I need some way to prove that you are actually the one for me." And he's like, "That's awesome. What's a control? What does that mean? I'm on board. Any anything to to get you to figure this out." And then she explains that a control means that she needs to see other people. So he he's obviously not not as psyched when when he figures that out. And so. Now, this isn't the part that's based on reality? or No, this is not the part. And as my husband says, if it were, he wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have too little. <laughs> and so. so she, like, does experiments on Yeah, so as her friend Leslie encourages her, she has to increase her sample size, and she needs to go out and uh, collect data and figure out who's the man for her. So you think people can really learn from fictional movies? You don't think they get a little alienated by the science? You think that real science gets through? I don't think so. I mean, it was definitely an interest of mine to make movies that have science in it, um, in part just to bring science to the general public. And I made a conscious choice to do that through comedy, and I guess it's because of that Mary Poppins song, A Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down. And I think, you know, when people are laughing, they're not even aware that they're learning. So 
So I think absolutely there's so many things about science that people can become educated about from this film. There's there's her project, which she's working on, which has to do with X-linked genetic diseases and uh, a protein that she developed called Y-kill that kills uh, Y-chromosome-carrying sperm, which has interesting gender implications. Yeah. And, you know, there's that. And then just seeing her life as a scientist, I think especially as a female scientist, you know, you have so few female role models that are doing it you know you might have some in your graduate program but there's nothing in the media there's nothing that says ah this is the lifestyle of a female scientist and i think samantha's a real character who's very relatable and you know she's smart but she's feminine and she's vulnerable and she's quirky and she's a real woman like myself and like the women i went to graduate school with and also I talked to Alexi Gambis yesterday about how you can use real science to put in these movies that may seem even like science fiction to people, but it's not. It's real science. And so you're showing them something that's actually within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, I think science is advanced and exciting enough that it doesn't really need to be made up to be interesting. The funny story about our movie is I made up this protein called Y-Kill, and I made it up so that it would work with the plot and the theme of the movie. And it's, you know, totally scientifically sound. And right after I finished the movie, I became aware of a protein or a technology that's out there that is exactly what Y-Kill is. It's called Engender, and they use it in dairy cows to bias towards females so they can make more milk-producing cows. And that's what's so interesting is I think that you can come up with an interesting plot and then find real science to back it up. I don't think it has to be totally fabricated. You know, obviously going into it, I wasn't sure how it would play for a general audience having so much science, but it's been extremely successful with the wide audience. And we're actually going to have a theatrical release early next year. That's in part because every time it plays for a general audience, they laugh at all the jokes and they love the science. They're, they're not alienated by it at all. It's one of their favorite parts of the movie. Well, there you have it. Science and film, made for each other. Come hear more from a grade-A group of scientists and science filmmakers Thursday, October 20th. Visit www.nyas.org backslash celluloid. Thanks to the Imagine Science Film Festival for their partnership on this event. This podcast has been brought to you by Science and the City, a not-for-profit program from the New York Academy of Sciences. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at scienceandthecity at nyas.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next month with more science around the city.